Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Suzanne Ross. This episode was so much fun. Suzanne is such a sweet, sweet soul and also very gifted. And we cover topics that really grab my attention, like her experiences with missing time that are related to ET contact, and how we have aspects of ourselves in other dimensions, and how she can connect to this insight for you. We talk about Bigfoot, her experience with a higher aspect of herself merging with her human self, and I share remarkable experiences that I had on Suzanne's Fall Equinox Retreat in Sedona. Suzanne's hosting another remarkable retreat in Sedona in March. And I want to see you there. Use code MEDITATION to get 10% off your ticket. Go to SedonaAscensionRetreats.com to see the amazing lineup of speakers and guides. Suzanne has dedicated her life to the awakening and ascension of humanity through her books, services, TV network, radio shows, and the many events that she hosts. She's the author of the UP trilogy, Wake Up, Rise Up, and Lighten Up. She also guides tours and spiritual journeys into the Red Rock Vortex sites of Sedona, as well as offering intuitive readings and energy healing. Suzanne has appeared on many TV and radio shows, including Gaia TV and Coast to Coast AM. And so enjoy this episode. So welcome, Suzanne. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you so much, Kara. What a wonderful podcast you have. And it's an honor to be on your show. I'm super grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I was recently at your fall retreat. You had a an ascension retreat at the Equinox, and it was just phenomenal. And it was such a joy to get to, to hear you speak and to connect with you and all the amazing, amazing guests. So we're going to talk about your work with hosting events like that. But first, let's just talk about your background I know that, like me, you had a mainstream kind of beginning, Uh, lived in the corporate world for a long time. Uh, What ignited your awakening? So it's interesting. I just finished an article for a magazine called Awakening from Suffering, and it's actually a chapter in my book, Wake Up, Awakening Through Reflection. But it feels really significant for humanity at this time, this awakening from suffering. And I believe it's sort of a theme in the storybook of humanity (laughs) to have an awakening experience out of the depths of suffering. Now, at the time I was working in the corporate world, yes, and I felt terribly misaligned with my true calling. I felt like my life was meaningless and shallow in pursuit of the American dream of materiality. And it just felt like my life had no true purpose. I actually walked out to the kitchen one day and said, if there's no more meaning and purpose to life than this, then I'm out of here. Right at that moment, the phone rang. And I joked that I was saved by the bell. (laughs) And my parents were calling from the desert of Southern California to invite me to come out to their new vacation home there. 
And here I was in New Jersey. It was freezing cold in the dead of winter. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm coming out there to the sunshine and blue skies. And I always have so much fun with my family. And so I took off. My father picked me up at the airport. And as we were dropping down into this desert valley, I had this overwhelming sense that I was coming home. And I had never been to this particular part of the Southern California desert before. The sun was shining bright, the blue skies, palm trees were swaying in the wind. I was like, this is tropical paradise. And while I was there, I was having so much fun laughing, dancing, biking, hiking. And as my vacation was coming to a close one morning, I was sitting on the edge of the bed and I just felt this very heavy sense of impending doom with this anticipation of having to go back to my life in hell. And that's literally what it felt like for me. And so in a moment, I felt compelled to run to the mountain range behind their house. And I just took off running. And as I was running toward the mountain range, the sun was coming up behind the mountain. And that's the cover of my book, (laughs) Wake Up because it was such a profound moment for me. I literally ran up the mountain, threw my arms up to the sky and said, I am miserable in the extreme and see no way out. And in that moment, I felt this total sense of calm wash over me, a bright white light illuminate all around me. And a voice came out of the light and it said, can't you see you've come home? You'll stay here and heal yourself and many others. And that was it. And I'll never forget this moment, this revelation. It felt like an alignment with my higher self. And in that moment, I felt spontaneously healed as well. And then I looked over this desert landscape with so much excitement, enthusiasm over my new life in the desert as a healer. I knew this was the absolute truth for me. I ran down that mountain. And in a matter of a couple of weeks, I had situated my life to start working at a five-star resort as a wellness director. I got hired on the spot with no experience whatsoever. And I just never looked back. I left my life on the East Coast. I started my new life in the desert in wellness, opened a big wellness center that, you know, just over the years kept growing and flourishing and In the beginning, I was focused more on like personal health and wellness, fitness and nutrition. But I started teaching yoga, which got much more than spiritual. But that moment on the mountaintop, it introduced me to spirituality because I wondered what the heck happened. What was that? I was yeah. I was going to ask you, what do you make of that? Looking back, so at the time, it just felt so natural. I really didn't question it. I was just so grateful for it. And yes, it did lead me to start picking up books by Wayne Dyer, Marianne Williamson, Louise Hay, kind of like the Hay House path of spirituality. But later, many years later, when I started to get more and more and more spiritual, I had a hypnotic regression with Lori McDonald who is well known for doing regressions. And in this regression, what I saw on the mountaintop was two beings. 
surfacing. I wondered if it was some kind of like galactic event or, you know, clearly it felt divine. But these two beings surfaced from the inner earth and there was a woman standing between them who looked just like me. These two beings were blonde hair, blue eye, pale skin, really reminded me of the inner earth Lemurians in Mount Shasta, the city of Talos. And there's a picture of Adama in Aurelia Louise Jones's book, The Seven Sacred Rays, about this inner earth city of Talos and Adama. And it looked just like Adama. And then there was a female. And they said, this aspect of yourself basically wants to walk into you. Is that okay? And I said, yes. And she walked towards me, merged with me, and looked out. And that just made so much sense because I had already had this like inner knowing that I had been merged with my higher self. And uh, yeah, so that just made a lot of sense to me. And I was also born in Mount Shasta. So no kidding. No kidding. Wow. No kidding. I was born at the Shasta County Hospital. <laughs> well, I think you have to be more more specific when you say you're born in Shasta. Because were you born inside in Telos? <laughs> that would be really cool. Let's hear about that. <laughs> right. No, I was actually born at Shasta County Hospital. I have the birth certificate. You, you were born on Shasta, we'll yeah. say. <laughs> Near Telos. Yeah. But interestingly enough, my parents are Canadian. I mean, there's a whole other story about my father's missing time experience. Yes, I want to get 18. into that. Yes. You know, this like really gets into starseed DNA and what have you. But my father and mother, being Canadian, were moved to Mount Shasta just briefly where I was born. And then my father was transferred to Dayton, Ohio to work at the headquarters of NCR, which was founded by... James Patterson, and he spent a lot of time at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And that kind of has to do oh, with his missing goodness. time experience was when he was 18. But anyways, yeah. and because of his missing time experience, our whole upbringing, you know, we were looking at the sky. My father was always pointing out constellations. He totally believed in, you know, life and the outer universe. And so, yeah, very yeah. paranormal. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I do want to get into that. But before we get too far from the desert, I'm curious if in your regression, did anything come up about why that it felt like home and then you heard that this is home? And was there anything, did you, any past life connection to that geographical area or any, any hint as to why it felt so much, so familiar to you? So it's the desert. There's something about the desert. And here I am in Sedona, and I know it's a different desert, but it's still the American Southwest. And it's really the magical, mystical experiences that one can have in a desert. And so I feel like, you know, as far as past lives, that it's likely that I've had many lives in different desert regions. I feel very much at home in the desert. And when I walk out, you know, in these vast open spaces here, 
like, I really feel like, you know, anything is possible. Very mystical experiences can open up for you. And in that desert with my father, we had some really wild experiences of shifting into other dimensions. Yeah. During that trip or just in general over time? I moved to the desert and then my father retired and we spent a lot of time together out in that desert taking long walks and he loved to talk about aliens, UFOs. After his experience, he watched everything he could find on TV about aliens and UFOs, read all kinds of books. So it was on the top of his mind for yeah. the rest of his life after that. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So can you t- can you share his story with us? Sure. So when my dad was 18 years old, one night after dinner, him and three buddies took off in his car. They lived in a little town called Leader, Saskatchewan in Canada. And they took off and were driving down this dirt road when suddenly they saw this white light in front of them. This light was behind them. This light would be out in the field. What it was in front of them behind them, it wasn't kicking up any dust. And so my father wanted to pull over and see if this light would go past them. And so he pulled over. Him and his buddy Don got out. They were leaning against the driver's side door. And the next thing they knew, they were all sitting in the car. And then they saw this white light race across the field, merge with a larger orange light and take off into space. And so he drove to the nearest farmhouse and was banging on the door. You guys seeing these lights? And the woman was furious that he was banging on their door after midnight. And he said, midnight? Like, we just took off from my house down the street. It felt like 15 minutes ago. And then they realized they had lost four hours of time. And the next day, my father noticed he had a triangular-shaped metallic object under his wrist. And growing up, he called it his alien chip. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Was that the last sort of encounter for him? You talked about the other dimensions or the shifting time or, or uh, that you guys experienced, but with all of his, it seems like he just continued to have a mysterious life with the employment that he had. And the, the fact that they're from Saskatchewan, I'm like, how come not Bigfoot? <laughs> I'm like, Sasquatch. Totally <laughs> talked about Bigfoot. Really? It's so interesting. Bigfoot, the UFOs, they seem to coincide. It didn't even occur to me early on that Saskatchewan and Sasquatch were like so directly related. And then as my father got older, he would really start to open up and share about these experiences he would have of seeing Sasquatch. And really? My mother, too, which was amazing because she didn't really share it until later in life. And one of my friends who's really into UFOs and Bigfoot was talking to her at dinner one night and really got her to open up. And she was like, oh, yeah, your father saw Bigfoot. You know, we saw UFOs because she grew up on a farm in outside of Calgary, Alberta. And she said her and her brothers and sisters would sit out at night and just look up at the sky. And they, she said they would see all kinds of sight, you know, lights and different, you know, crafts and yeah. Oh, wow. Were, did you get the sense from, uh, because there are two camps with Bigfoot, you know, the, they're scary and 
We have a doggy behind you. Oh, he almost always breaks in while I'm trying to do these. <laughs> I try to keep him out. What is they sweet. always break in? <laughs> oh, I oh you, there's one. more. <laughs> Being infiltrated. <All> right, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to go oh. for a walk or something. Oops, I shouldn't say oh, that out loud. I know we call them W's in my house <laughs> because you, we can't totally say the word. <laughs> So much fun. But there's like the there's the scary, the fearful, that they're monstery, and then there's the oh, they're benevolent, you know, beings from other dimensions. Yeah. Did what did your parents have a sense of were they afraid or intrigued? I never or? saw any fear come up in my father or my mother talking about any of this. In fact, all of our experiences have always been really benevolent loving being and this is wild but i had a missing time experience off of my back deck and also there was a announcement about this bigfoot sighting right down below my house along the creek and somebody had seen large footprints and somebody had a sighting and i was like i'm gonna put an apple out on my deck to see if this you know, gentle, kind, like Bigfoot, hairy Bigfoot being might come up and eat an apple off my deck. It didn't yeah. happen. But that was my vision, that it would just be this, you know, lumbering, yeah. friendly, furry, yeah, kind, you know, gentle being. And that's my vision of Bigfoot, honestly. And then the encounters that both my father and I had with, you know, these extraterrestrial races. Are, they have benefited us in our lives tremendously. My father really attributed his computer genius to this chip um, because he grew up in a one-room schoolhouse and nothing else to really attribute to his level of genius that he attained when he entered the you know field of computer technology early on, way back in the 60s. Wow, that's fascinating. Well, can you share with us your missing time experience? Sure. So when I moved to Sedona, it starts with this because I was in a bookstore and I had this experience already before coming to Sedona because I started writing my own books and doing like automatic writing, but I also would reference other books. I would be driving to work and I would like pull off into the bookstore parking lot and be like, <laughs> okay, I don't know what's happening because I didn't plan to go in there. And I felt like I was being led down the aisle, turned toward a particular shelf. A book felt like it was illuminated and pushed out. I'd be like, okay. And then I'd go check out and drive on to work. Well, I was in a bookstore here in Sedona and this book called The Arcturian Anthology lit up. It was Tom Kenyon, I believe is the author. And I became obsessed with Arcturians. And so I had some friends staying with me one night in the late fall, and my two friends were also really interested in the Arcturians. In fact, one of them said that he had a direct contact experience with an Arcturian craft and a particular Arcturian named Jazz. And so on this night, we thought, well, let's call upon the Arcturians. And so we didn't really know what we were doing, but we all thought, let's hold hands in my living room and just set an intention to call upon the Arcturians to 
you know, make contact. We had seen a lot of lights out in the sky off my, you know, we want a direct contact, like land a ship or, you know, yeah. bring us aboard, something really profound. Yeah. We did that. And then we went out on the back deck, closed the door behind us. The first thing that happened was the lights went off on the deck and we were like, the only way you can turn them on is to be inside the house. And we were all outside. Wow. Then there was a huge explosion of light on the horizon. And suddenly we all felt dizzy. And my friend said, I'm dizzy. And she grabbed the handrail and I go, yeah, me too. And then the lights on, it's an upper deck with a stairwell that has motion detectors. The bottom motion detector went off. The middle motion detector went off like someone was coming up the stairs, but we didn't see anybody. So I'm watching that. And then I turn around and I look at them and I go, God, it's freezing out here. Let's go inside. We went inside and we were all like discombobbled. I was exhausted. And I was like, I don't know why I'm going to bed at eight o'clock at night, but I'm going to bed. And I went in the kitchen and turned my phone over and it said 1240. Oh my and God. I was like, <laughs> but we were so exhausted. We just fell into bed. The next morning I woke up and I felt nauseous, dizzy. I went out to the kitchen and looked at the coffee maker and was like, oh, heck no. I was just sipping on water. My two friends came out. They looked green. Like we just all felt nauseous. It was almost like my the insides felt like fed up or like vibrating and it was making us dizzy and disoriented. It was almost like the inside of us was vibrating at a higher frequency. You know, it was hard for our physical body to adapt mm. to that. And we actually had some people coming over a couple hours. And as they were sitting there, I remember thinking, I'm going to hurl. Oh. But I would be so embarrassed to be like making these horrible gagging noises in the bathroom. Yeah. So I just kept saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Then we finally started feeling better. But as the day unfolded, it just got crazier and crazier. These people were supposed to come visit us. And there was a gentleman from the Philippines who was super tuned in. He said that he would go aboard craft. He said he was part of this galactic council. He ended up showing up at like two o'clock in the morning. We were so tired, but we stayed up for it. And then he sits on the couch and there's a light on the horizon. You can see through these glass doors from the living room and there's this light just hovering on the horizon and it's like sapphire blue. And he goes, do you know that's an Arcturian craft? I promise you, we hadn't even gotten to the discussion about what had happened. No and, way. Oh my God. Right. And then my, my other friend. I'm keeping them anonymous because I don't know what they want me talking about this yeah. this on the air with them, but I'm like totally transparent about it. Yeah. She said that after that incident, like we had gone to bed, like I said, around one, she said she was pulled out of bed again, like around three, went out on the back deck and she had this vision of me wearing this like silvery uniform and being aboard that Arcturian craft. And yeah, so it was wild. Oh my goodness. I've had so many chills, so many things that you have said, and I'm just like, <laughs> so many chills. Wow. Which is my like, yes, that I, <laughs> when I get the yes. Anyway, wow, that is 
incredible. Right. So do you feel particularly connected to the Arcturians? Definitely. And within a couple weeks of that experience, I went to a psychic, well-known psychic here in Sedona, a good friend of mine. And before I even sat down, she goes, whoa, I see you and your two friends on your deck, three beings coming up your stairwell, taking each of you by the hand, going out to this smaller like pod ship being taken up into a larger mothership and there being shown around the ship, being downloaded with knowledge, wisdom, gifts, skills, abilities. And I was just like, wow, it just was revealed to her. She's very gifted. I was blown away because I had suspected that is what had happened. And maybe she was just reading my mind and tuning into my memory of what had happened. I don't know. But I can tell you that I started feeling compelled to grab poster board, markers. I would start drawing a big circle with 12 circles around it, like a zodiac wheel. But these were dimensions, dimensions 1 through 12. And 13 was in the center. And then I started putting my name in these different dimensions from, you know, who I was being in the third dimension, fourth dimension, fifth dimension. Each, you know, had a place, had a name. And it would just come through so fast, I could hardly write fast enough. And then I would just sit back and go, whoa. And so then my sister came to visit and she was like, do me, do me. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know if I can. And suddenly I'm like in the third dimension. You know, I'm like totally doing this. Really? So I named it a multidimensional soul reunion. And I've been doing that now for years for people with people. And if there are people are already like psychic or have developed their intuitive abilities most of the time i can bring them into this light hypnotic state where they tell me they reveal to me who they are being in the fourth and the fifth and the sixth like that's the most ideal because then they have that direct experience of it well I love that so much. Can you talk a little bit about because that might be a different concept for some people where it's like wait but you have an Arcturian connection. So you're Arcturian, you're human and you're Arcturian. So can you talk a little bit about like the presence or the aspects of us that are in every dimension? Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. I feel very resonant with the teachings of theosophy. And in Theosophy, which was started by Madame Blavatsky way back. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that you're talking about this. I just, I literally just ordered her book out of the blue. It just showed up. I, they're running some ad or something on Amazon because I've seen it multiple times. And I'm like, who's this? What is this about? It's laying upstairs on my counter. And I haven't opened it yet, but I, did, I had no idea who she was. Never heard. don't remember ever hearing about her before. And I was like, I wonder, why do I feel so drawn to this? Anyway, now here you go talking about her. Now I I do know who you're talking about, but I didn't like a few days ago. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, Einstein's favorite book, according to his wife after he passed, was Isis Unveiled. And that was one of Madame Blavatsky's first books. Now, after she passed, Alice Bailey picked up on it. And Alice Bailey was channeling Jual Kool, often known as the Tibetan. 
but, you know, channeling Jawa Kool, bringing through these theosophical teachings. And then Joshua David Stone wrote a series of ascension manuals yes, based I've on that material. One. Oh, that's based on that. Okay. Right. And so the idea is that we have an eternal soul at the center of creation who is mentally projecting into this space-time hologram 144 soul aspects, 12 in each of 12 dimensions. And so this is this idea that the one infinite creator expresses as the divine trinity in all four directions, as all four elements, which is similar to the zodiac wheel, four signs in fire, four signs in earth, right? And so the one infinite creator expressing as 12, the divinity in all four directions, three times four, then the beings made in the image of the creator also express as 12 personalities and are able to project mentally these holographic fractals of themselves into 12 different timelines in each of 12 dimensions for 144 soul extensions called the monad. And so that being said, I believe this is why if we have the ability to tune into our eternal soul essence and in effect see through the eyes of our eternal soul, the one projecting, that we have the ability then to view any timeline and any dimension and actually have an, a direct experience of being who we are being there. And I do believe this is why psychics can do past life regressions is because like myself, and this is what I do when I do these readings for people, is I ask permission from their eternal soul essence to see through their eyes so that I can view whatever timeline or whatever dimension is most beneficial for that soul extension at that time. And it has to be mutually beneficial, not just for the person I'm reading, but for the other soul aspect we're tuning into, because somehow they have an important connection that's relevant and beneficial to both of their lives at that time. And so, you know, that being said, we're very multidimensional. And I was shown that each of these star races have these different dimensional aspects you know, in these different timelines. And so not to say necessarily that Pleiadians are fifth dimensional, but I have a fifth dimensional aspect in the Pleiades. Sixth dimensional is Arcturus. Seventh dimensional is Syrian. Eight dimensional is Cassiopeian. Ninth dimensional is Lyran. Tenth is Orion. Eleventh is Andromedan. And twelfth is the eternal central universe from which the eternal souls are projecting and then 13 in the center is the paradise core of infinity and some of that referencing also comes from the urantia book which i write a lot about in my book rise up because it's a fascinating channeled book so yeah and so that would just be to say that not necessarily that syrians are seventh dimensional or andromedas are eleventh but i have tuned into that I have that dimensional aspect in those different dimensional timelines. 
Okay. All right. That's a great, that's a great foundation. Thank you. And, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to say anything about this, like while we were recording, but just it feels relevant that, you know, we were talking before we started recording that, you know, I had an astral interaction with you where you, and I think that this ties in, this is why I'm bringing it up because I was telling you that I was feeling this like unwinding kind of in my brain area. And then these like, tendrils, is it tendrils? Is that right? Trend- yes, tendrils. energetic tendrils. I loved how you described this. Right. And it was like they, it unwound and then it extended through these like tendrils in it, like in an outward, almost like spokes, you know? And then like a little bit later in the same evening, I was in a very light sleep, like in and out of sleep. And I was, but out of sleep enough that I was like, remember that was Suzanne. Remember you were working with her, you know? So it was like, I would, kind of lift out of sleep enough to be like I was with Suzanne and but it was like this white space or like a nothing space like it was a whitish color it was light and bright but there was were no boundaries no we weren't like in a physical place and it was something to do with these aspects and these like these offshoots and like the sort of threads or the ribbons coming, <laughs> energetic ribbons or something, but I'm going out. And so as you're saying this, I'm just like, yep, there it is again. I'm back there with Suzanne <laughs> in whatever dimension that was. I don't know. <laughs> that is a perfect visual of exactly what I would imagine the eternal soul doing is sending out these energetic tendrils, which are extensions of their soul, of their, you know, personalities, of their soul aspects. That's just amazing. And what occurred to me with the unwinding was unwinding time to be present in the eternal now so that you can, you know, access all of those past, present, future, you know, everything happening all at once in one eternal now moment with all of these lives simultaneously unfolding concurrently. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> just amazing. It's just amazing. So I just offer that kind of on the back of how you work with people. And, you know, any somebody listening may just they may just see you in their sleep tonight or <laughs> in between <laughs> the waking and sleeping time. And you're just all over the place, Suzanne. <laughs> or you're welcome to go to my website, SuzanneRossTranscendence.com, right. and I'll be happy to guide a multidimensional soul reunion for you. Even the Absolutely. regressions I do, I call them timeline regressions because they can be the past, they can be the future. You know, they're not necessarily like a past life regression. Mm. So, yeah, I love to do that kind of work for people because it's always so relevant for them in their life at that yeah. moment. Because it's right. guided by their eternal soul who has a much higher perspective on what will serve them best at that time. And people get clarity about their soul mission, their purpose, relationships, career. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. 
Well, you have so many resources how you, with how you help people. So you've got your Up Trilogy. You've mentioned a couple of your books. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about and what people will find in those? Thank you. So I started working with a psychic. I got into Buddhism really heavily in 2008, invited by my sister to go to some Buddhist retreats. And I just loved it. And it really deepened my meditative experience as I used mantras and mudras and even got into tantra. Then I started to see a psychic because I was really interested in expanding my psychic awareness. And she taught me techniques for running energy and she channeled St. Germain. And I'd never really heard of channeling before I started seeing her, but she was teaching me. And it wasn't long after that, that I started channeling. It was insane. Suddenly, like I'm speaking in a different, not a different language, but a different accent. Right. Um, And I'm saying things that, you know, like I've never been taught or never knew before. And I am so curious about how creation came into being, who we are, where we came from, why we're here. You know, I have some insatiable curiosity about creation. And so I started asking questions about creation and answers would come through. So I started recording it. And then I discovered Dragon, naturally speaking, voice recognition software because it would type. Mm -hmm. And so as I channeled, it would type it. And I knew that this was creating content for what would become my books. I was walking out in nature one day and I just started on these nature walks hearing like voice from above, you know, and this voice said, you will write a 30 day book on the evolution of consciousness. I heard it clear as day as if someone was, you know, on a microphone standing over me. And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm a wellness coach. Like. I'm not an author. And the voice always responds with this sort of, you'll figure it out. (laughs) And so I went home and I told this gal who was working with me, I said, I heard this voice, a 30-day book on evolution of consciousness. And she was like, what is consciousness anyways? And this is back, right, 2010, maybe. You know, like I I wasn't as attuned to all these ideas around consciousness. And then she was like, 30 days? That sounds like a lot. And so I started to tune in to get a more, you know, refined message about what this was meant to look like. And what came up for me was it would be three 10-day books. And yes, it would be about the evolution of consciousness. But one would be for the mind, one would be for the spirit, and one would be for the body. And so I was guided that the first one would be for the mind. And it became more clear that it was about liberating the mind from limiting beliefs. This book, Wake Up, came through a 10-day life lessons workshop, Awakening Through Reflection. And what it turned out to be about was this karmic cause and effect analysis that I channeled through, which was about reflecting on the most transformational experiences of your life, identifying the causes and effects, like, you know, what caused this event to occur? What were the effects it had on myself and others? And as people continue to do that event after event, they start to identify a pattern. And within the causes and effects, the life lessons are revealed. And so they're able to identify the life lessons, apply them to their life today so that they can move on to more advanced lessons. And in this way, they're consciously creating meaningful experiences 
to master their life lessons. And then they're consciously evolving toward more advanced ones. And so this idea of creating meaningful experiences, intentionally evolving toward more advanced ones became the theme of that book. And then Rise Up came in next. And Rise Up really is a lot more metaphysical. It's about how creation came into being from the perspective of many different cultures, some advanced ancient cultures. As we go on an ascension, a 10-day ascension adventure into sacred sites around the world and study the cosmologies of these different cultures like Egyptian, Mayan, we come to Sedona, we go to the Dogon tribes in Africa because they have a very advanced understanding of different quantum physics concepts, even though they're supposed to be this primitive tribe, but they say they learn it from their star ancestors who are the Syrians from Sirius B. So yeah, all my books include journaling, meditation. You go to the website and download the meditations. There's breathing practices. So I try to make them like a transformational experience by having these different levels. Lighten Up is in the works and hopefully it will be released maybe in 2024. Uh Okay. And that's the one for the body. For the body. And at the time I was like a wellness coach and I'm thinking it's going to be for the body. Like it's going to be some detox program with some fitness, you know, and it's like, no, this is going to be like igniting the golden light body so that we can have that crystalline light body transformation as we vibe out of 3D and ascend into 5D and that became clear. That's what that was about. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Well, and another way that you work with people is through your events. So you do private events or private retreats, and then you host your big retreats. And like I say, highly recommend based on my experience in September, it was just really, really beautiful right there in Sedona. And um, you've got another one coming coming up in the spring equinox. So talk a little bit about your retreats and how you help people transform through those. Thank you for asking. I feel it's an important part of my soul's calling (laughs) to have these gatherings of like-minded souls to come together, especially here in the powerful vortex of Sedona, where it is so extraordinarily beautiful here in these red rock temples. But also just that sense of unity, community, coming together in loving support of one another and the opportunity for people to share, not just with the presenters and teachers and guides, but with each other, the experiences that they're having, the struggles that they may be having, I love for people to come to get inspired, to get empowered, to get enlightened. I have many different facets of the event where we have onstage presentations with some of these like amazing keynote speakers. I have a flyer sitting right here. We can see that we have just such amazing, you know, world's leading luminaries on many different topics to do with connecting with the galactics. Like Linda Moulton Howe, I've been a big fan of on Ancient Aliens for decades. Uh-huh. Daryl Anka channeling Bashar. We are going to talk about near-death experiences with one of the world's most well-known near-death experiencers, Anita Morjani. 
and others. So we have Ascension teachers and just amazing people that will be on stage presenting. But then also we have small breakout groups, which I call workshops. So we have a break in the middle of the day for three hours where people go and they can have back-to-back 90-minute workshops or just take a break for lunch and visit the vendors and then do one 90-minute workshop. I always have outdoor journeys into Sedona's sacred vortex sites. And that's one thing that makes these events really special. Here we are in Sedona. We got to get out into the Red Rocks. And some of our keynote speakers are the guides who are assisted by a permitted Sedona Mystical Tour Guide. But we take people in shuttle buses out to these extraordinary sites with breathtaking views and powerful vortexes. They're tuned into the vortex. They're guided on a journey. So I really love being able to offer that at these events. And we have sound journey performances. This year, we have world champion Native American hoop dancer, Munti Sinqua doing a hoop dance, which is so phenomenal. They use these hula hoops and they make these shapes like the flower of life, like these different sacred geometry symbols. It's amazing. And plus, I wanted to honor the Native Americans. That's amazing. And I know for the spring or the fall one, there was a CE5 as well. So if people haven't experienced... Though I think there's one for the spring one as well. There isn't one for the spring one because we're so limited as to the number of people that we can take out for a CE5 experience. But thank you for bringing that up because in the fall, I have a smaller, more intimate immersion retreat. And I limit it to 100 people so that three groups of 33 each can go out each of three nights to a site and do the CE5 experience. And here just in September, it was led by the host of interviews with Extra Dimensionals on Gaia TV, Ruben Langdon. Ruben Langdon will be coming back for the March conference. He'll be hosting the Galactic Ascension Roundtable. I'm so excited about this. I'll be co-hosting it with him because we have channelers like Wendy Kennedy, Channels the Pleiadian Collective, Sean Swanson, Planal channels Ishua of the Yayao and the ET Whisperer, Rob Gothier. He channels Aradif and Treb. They're all just amazing. We're going to have a galactic historian, Deb Solaris, and a human Arcturian hybrid, Vivian Chabot. And so we're going to be asking the galactics. So Ruben Langdon will ask the galactics questions from the audience. So in the beginning, we just have the audience shout out some like, topics, questions, and then Ruben directs those to the channelers so that the channel beings can answer. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I know with with the outdoor workshops that you mentioned, what like they're they just you talk about going into the sacred vortexes that are there in Sedona and you you go with these powerful people and you're you've got the group dynamic that that amplifies everything and One in particular that I went on, we were kind of noticing as we were hiking to our spot, like, okay, look at the clouds, because some of the clouds looked, you know, unusual, like maybe they were ship clouds or something like uh, screens to hide. And but it was really hot. And, And we got to our place and there wasn't a lot of shade. And so we were all kind of joking, you know, but it was like, all right, team. Get those clouds over the sun if you don't mind, you know, help us out. 
<laughs> because we were going to have a meditation and just bake in the direct sunlight. So we start this meditation. And by the time we opened our eyes, it was completely cloudy. And it wasn't that long. It was maybe a 20 or 30 minute, you know, where our eyes were closed. And we were all like, when we opened our eyes, we're like, what happened? Like, where did these, all these clouds come from so fast? So just one example of some of the magic that I experienced. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. They're listening. I have seen such compelling starship clouds here in Sedona. Like I actually pulled over once. A friend and I were driving and I was like, oh my God, you could almost make out this massive mothership with a metallic bottom and it was oh just sitting there. Someone not really, you know, like being into this would probably just be like, that's a cool looking cloud. But we were like, it was so transparent. We pulled over because we pulled over, jumped out, and it was like, you could see this metallic bottom. We were just so blown away. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wow. know. That's amazing. It's a UFO hotspot here, without a doubt. Yeah. And I'll definitely, you know, on the website, give some references for people who do UFO journeys here. It will be in March, which is a little different than September, which has super long days. So you can go like at 8 p.m. at night. Yeah. But in March, I think the sun goes down much earlier. Oh, okay. And they yeah. like to do it around dusk. But if someone were to come earlier, like Thursday, or they wanted to stay through till Monday evening, you know, that would be a good time to do something like that with yeah. one of these UFO tour guides. Yeah. John Polk is right. my favorite. There's others that do a wonderful job as well. Yeah, I think I met him when, was he at the CE5s? Yeah. yeah. He was really, really cool. We talked about Bigfoot, too. <laughs> Did you? Yes. He had some really interesting stories. How yeah. was that CE5? It was amazing. I've been on, I've been to another CE5 with Ruben and they, he does a great job. And it was funny because it's a very much an inner journey with Ruben. So well, he encourages you to keep your eyes closed for a lot of the time. But John, John Polk, is that mm -hmm. Polk? And then there was another woman. I can't remember now what her name was, but they were guides. Like they, they do the tours like you were talking about. So they had their eyes open and they told us afterwards, like they were just waiting for us to open our eyes. Open your eyes please, because there's stuff to see here. They're here. They're like so many lights. Um, it was really funny. They they showed us they had some great like night vision goggles and we could see all kinds of really cool stuff. So John Polk has some amazing UFO footage. And when I've gone out there with them, first, it's just cool to see Sedona through night vision goggles. But then, yeah, what I have seen come across the sky is so mind-blowing and how busy it is up there. Lights yeah. are just darting in every which way. And yeah. you're just like, that's a busy highway of UFOs up there. Because then yeah. you'll see a plane. Because right. all these it other lights are like flying yes. at speed, right? Right. It's amazing. Well, my friend, I went with a friend of mine named Emily and 
one of the nights, I think it was Thursday night, we didn't have a journey or anything scheduled for the retreat. So she and I went out to Bell Rock and we were just sitting there for a while and we were talking to some people who were there taking photos and so forth. And, and those people eventually left and then we were by ourselves. And she's like, look over there. There's something going on over there. And we, there were anywhere between three to nine lights. We kept being, it was like, okay, now there are three. Now there are seven. How many are there? Okay, now I see five. Now I see nine. And they were just dancing around each other. And they'd go a little bit over as a group, like a little bit over to the right. And then it went on for so long. We just had to leave. Like we just, we were like, it's still going, but we have to go. And it was undeniable. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, because sometimes I'll see things in the sky and I'm like, well, I'm not sure if that's a satellite or what, you know, here in Indiana. But that was, they were, that was unusual. Like the way that they were moving and the fact that we could, they, it was almost like they were moving out in and out of our ability to see them. So it was like, okay, now I can only see three. Where'd the rest of them go? And then they'd be right back, you know, and it just was seamless. It's like, and it seemed more like it's just my ability to be able to see it rather than it actually leaving and coming back and leaving, you know. So it was wild. And then we asked yeah. Rob, we asked the ET whisperer when he was channeling what that what was going on with that. And he said they were Sasani. So he, he very he tapped in or well, I guess Really? Artists, yeah. That they were Sasani. Yeah. Really. Are you familiar with the Sasani? A little bit. And it, really? it the way that he described it, he wasn't he it wasn't really that we were necessarily connected to them but it was like a higher like i think he said something about our higher selves kind of orchestrated that and that group and like kind of arranged it with that group so to say i'm probably not saying that completely accurately but it, it wasn't like oh those were other aspects of you cuz i wondered about that could be us emily <laughs> you know and he didn't go that route with it. But yeah, I don't feel a strong connection with the Sasani myself, but I was really intrigued by that for sure. And that they were, but not a show for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> well, this has just been amazing. Please tell people or remind people how they can Get in touch with you with all the different ways that you work with people. What's the quickest way for people to find out more and connect with you? And thank you. My personal website is SuzanneRossTranscendence.com. And there you'll find my books and sessions. And yes, I do personal retreats here in Sedona. So you can come one, two, three, four. I take up to six people to do just a personal two, three day retreat experience here. I do online sessions as well as live sessions here in Sedona in a spiritual center. I take people on outdoor vortex journeys into Sedona's sacred site and I bring my bowls and drums and yeah, we have an extraordinary experience out there. And then these events, I just live and breathe these events. I love hosting them twice a year. The one in March is going to be phenomenal. Visit SedonaAscensionRetreats.com and check it out. We have low early bird pricing before December 1st. So 
get your tickets now. And I inspire you to get the Transcendence Pass because it includes two workshops and one outdoor journey. If you come to Sedona, you got to go on an outdoor journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, this has just filled my heart. Thank you so much for being here. It's been such a joy to connect with you. You too, Kara. Thanks so much for having me on. I can't wait to see you in a few months here in Sedona. Yes. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.